Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Ross Sam, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, July 7, 2023, and today we're reading from the big book and uh, working with others. We're on page 92, um, that first paragraph, if you are satisfied that he is a real alcoholic, and we're ending with, there may be little chance he can recover. And we're just reading that one paragraph. Today's readers, we have for the steps, Lurie S., the 12 traditions, Janet F., starting us off reading is Tenzin P., page 164 is Loretta H., our backup reader is Anne-Marie M., newcomer greeter is Leslie M., and the second hour host is Leah S., so we have yesterday's reference numbers, Thursday, July 6, 2023, to 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 20,419. That's 20419. The 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, 20,420. So it's 20420. OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and a practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested suggested as a program of recovery. I will now ask Lori S. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Lori S. from Texas. The 12 steps. One. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except one to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. Thank you, Lori. Next up with the traditions is Janet F. Good morning, everyone. Janet F., compulsive overeater from Iowa. Uh, Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always to maintain personal anonymity at a level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thanks, Janet. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the nature and then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we resume our study of the big book here on page 92, working with others, that first paragraph. If you're satisfied that he's a real alcoholic, ending with, there may be little chance he can recover by himself. And we're just reading that paragraph. And today, Tenzin Pizmo start us off. Sorry about that. Tenzin, you are up. 
All right. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, Pens and Teeth checking in from New York. So uh, paragraph number one, page 91. If you are satisfied that he is a real alcoholic, begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. Show him from your own experience how the queer mental conditions surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. Don't at this stage refer to this book unless he has seen it and wishes to discuss it. And be careful not to brand him as an alcoholic. Let him draw his own conclusion. If he sticks to the idea that he can still control his drinking, tell him that possibly he can if he is not too alcoholic. But insist that if he is severely afflicted, there may be little chance he can recover by himself. Um, wow, well, quite a paragraph here. I'm going to start my timer. So um, what I was drawn to uh, want to share with you all today, it, it has to do with my experience with my very first sponsor in the Visions program, which would have been six and a half years ago. And I have some notes uh, from that that I was reading over this morning. And... Um, I've been in OA and cousin programs uh, for decades, but it was only after I came back to help manage the care for my parents in their uh, 90s. And so I was living in, in the house I had gr grown up in and things started arising again about my addiction that I hadn't uh, experience for a long time and behaviors and uh, ways of uh, being in the food. And so I got really panicky and I started, I, I was back in an area that I really didn't know people and I started reaching out and uh, trying to be in touch with anybody who might uh, know about about Overeaters Anonymous and have recovery. And I was put in touch finally face-to-face -face with someone who agreed to meet with me um, on January 2nd, uh, six and a half years ago. And she did not say she would be my sponsor, just was willing to share with me. So um, I, had, I had so much uh, trouble inside myself about uh, how it was for me with the food. Uh, I, I felt that I was really a, a real compulsive eater. But what did she do with me? Um, she told me some stories. She didn't, I don't remember her focusing on the hopeless feature of the malady, but what she did, she started having me um, doing uh, writing. We met every day once I agreed that I was willing to come on, on this line, which I'd never heard of. It just took one call on Vision for You the next morning to realize that um, I'd found my home group. Um, I'm so grateful. But she had me writing about uh, what did it mean to me to be abstinent. She had me make a list of what were my trigger behaviors, what were my trigger foods. And, and it, was only, it was only at that point, and had me write about perfectionism. Um, it, 
it was only after that that we started looking at the big book together. Um, but she really made it very clear that the root of this was going to be how I was relating to me, myself, and I, and, and being the center of attention all the time. So um, that's the end of my time. I really look forward to hearing what everyone else has to share. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Denton. Appreciate it. So now we're going to open up the lines for sharing. And we asked if you shared on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, please step back, limit your share, so others can have a chance to share their experience too. And uh, one at a time, I'll let you know if I hear you or not. Lisa B. Ann Marie M. Nancy R. I got, Lit I got Lisa Ann Marie. Uh, Kathy C. All right, Kathy C. And there was there was someone before Kathy that I missed. Nancy uh, R. There it is, Nancy. Nancy R. And there was someone else there too. All right. Uh, and who else? Who else? Stephanie R. Stephanie. Anyone else? Don't be shy. It's ample time. All right. So let's go. Rachel K. Or add Rachel K. No problem. All right, let's go with this list. We got Lisa, Anne Marie, Nancy, Kathy, Stephanie, and Rachel. And then we'll have time the second round. All right, Lisa, you're up. Oh, good morning. My name is Lisa B and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina and I spell my name L E S A. Thank you, Russ, and everyone that's doing service. Um I love this paragraph. There's so much there's so much instruction for me here when I'm sharing with fellows in the program. And I have to remember that the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. I don't know, you know, if they're a real compulsive overeater. And I never want to assume, and I don't want to label them, but I can share from my own experience. And it talks about beginning. I'm beginning to dwell on the hopeless feature of this malady. I love those two words, hopeless and malady, because that's what this illness is all about. And it says, show him from my own experience how that abnormal, that queer mental condition, which is in my mind, that mental condition surrounding that first bite prevents normal functioning of willpower. So what they've just described is what a real compulsive overeater is, what a real alcoholic is, no matter how much I want to, like the change of environment, you know, warnings from a doctor, family, you know, all these things, you know, my health breaking down, all of these things, it doesn't matter. It, I can try and scare myself to death. Other people can scare me. I could have medical tests, be told that I'm going to die if I have that next bite, but that, that's not going to get me and keep me abstinent. And that's the hopelessness, no matter how much I want to stop. And I can stop, but I could never stay stopped. So I want to share on that with them. And 
you know, um, I found it helpful as the conversation progresses and maybe after the second or third conversation to even come out and ask, are you a compulsive overeater? And a lot of times there's a hesitation. They're not sure. You know, they're just not sure. Sometimes when people share with me, I hear horrible circumstances as a result of this illness and this disease. And I'm thinking, surely they're going to see it. And sometimes these worst, horrible cases they still don't see it. And I have to remember that blindness, that dullness in the mind, that's the illness that is there. You know, it's waiting for me too. And that's why I love to have an opportunity. It's a gift and a privilege to be able to share with someone that is sick and suffering in this illness because today I'm blessed being recovered and abstinent. And it's one day at a time and it's contingent on my spiritual condition. And it's a gift I don't want to spit, you know, on it and just take it for granted. And it is being inoculated, vaccinated. Each time I get to share with someone, it helps me. I don't know if it's going to help them, but I want to try and be helpful. And it says, don't at this stage refer to the book unless he's seen it and wishes to discuss it. You know, maybe another way of saying that is don't get into the nuts and bolts of the inventory, the spirituality, the personality change that's really required. You know, really at this point, it's just seeing... Are they a real compulsive overeater? But what's even more important, do they see it? Do they see it? And what happened with me is sharing with my sponsor, listening to her talk about herself, I realized I'm just Hi. like that. So with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lisa. Next up is Anne-Marie M., followed by Nancy R. Good morning, Russ. This is Anne-Marie M. in South Carolina, gratefully recovered through God's grace and by working the steps in this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. The the line that stood out to me, if he, stick is, if he sticks to the idea that he can control his drinking, tell him that, he, that possibly he can if he's not too alcoholic. And no one, when I was insistent that I was going to eat when I was hungry and stop when I was full, no one said, oh, no, you can't do that. Um, and I appreciated that because I needed to learn that on my own. And when, you know, someone told me that um, I had to remove some certain foods, uh, you know, uh, artificial sweeteners from my food plan, that maybe that would be helpful for me. Um, I thought, nope, I can handle that. And again, I needed to find that out for myself. So when I have, when I'm working with someone and they think that they can, you know, or eat certain things, but they're continuously binging, you know, I suggest let's see, see if you can do without that for 30 days and see how you do. Um, I don't ever force anyone to give up any kind of certain food because my food plan is different from, from others. What, what, what triggers me may not trigger someone else. And um, um, but if but insist that he, he is severely afflicted. But um, the other thing is that I encourage people that if they think that they can do it another way, I encourage them to do that because they may not have this affliction, and it's not me to tell them that they have this this illness. It, that they need. People need to find out on their own. Um, and the other thing is, hmm, let me see if I can remember the other thing. 
just be encouraging them to um, find out, like I did, I needed to find out on my own that uh, there were certain trigger foods that I couldn't take and that I was not able to eat when I was hungry and stop when I was full. That, that was just impossible for me. So I think that's it for me. Thanks, Russ. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Next up is Nancy R. Good morning. It's Nancy R. from Northwest Illinois, um, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, working with others. Oh, thank goodness um, we work with others. Um, keeps me out of myself and my uh, my own queer mental conditions surrounding the first bite. Um, I can certainly uh, share with other real compulsive overeaters um, my own experience about my queer mental condition. Um, you know, I uh, we were at a baseball game yesterday and uh, we were tailgating before the game and then, you know, just people um, with uh, lots of food and um, I brought my um, my own meal and grateful for it. It was yummy. It was delicious. And, um, you know, it's just still this queer mental condition surrounding the first um, bite. Um, it does prevent normal functioning of my willpower. And I can, I have so many examples of that to share with other real compulsive overeaters. And um, in recovery, I those thoughts come as they did yesterday. And, um, you know, just people snacking on stuff throughout the game and um, noticing it and and thoughts that I have about it and thanking God that I can turn my higher power, that I can um, turn to this program with that queer mental condition surrounding my first bite because it tells me, you know, who cares? What difference does it make? Just. Um, it's going to be so wonderful. Do it anyway. You know, throw my life away. Throw my life away for this ridiculous taste of food. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It really is insane. And um, I am so grateful that, you know, I'm recovered, but it doesn't mean I don't have those queer uh, mental thoughts. Um what it means is that I have um, a higher power to turn to and a pause that gets me out of that and a program to work around it um, that keeps me out of it. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to share this morning because my crazy head is like, oh, you don't need to talk about that. That was no big deal. You know, and before you know it, I'm trying to mix whiskey with my milk because somehow it won't bother me. Um, or the my queer mental um, thought is, um, is screw it, who cares? Just do it anyway. You know it's going to bite you. You know it's going to affect you. You know you're going to go back to hell, but who cares? Like, it's worth it. And that is true insanity. And so um, I'm happy to share that um, and how my, thank you, how working this program, the way it's laid out in the in the big book, has saved my life and continues to save my life. Saved my life yesterday and will again today. Thank you. 
All right, Nance, thanks a lot. Before I ask Kathy C to jump on, just to let you know where we're at if you got on the line a little later. We're in Working With Others, page 92, first paragraph, and we're just reading that paragraph if you are satisfied that he's a real alcoholic. All right, Kathy, you're up. Good morning. My name is Kathy C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Montreal, Canada. Thank you all for your shares and your service. Um, this paragraph reminds me of more about alcoholism. You know, that, that, that chapter in the very beginning where it shows me, you know, my mental condition surrounding that first drink or for me that first compulsive bite. And it prevents normal functioning of the willpower and so you know i had to i had to come and see that you know my willpower here right when it comes to eating and then i also learned i i can't i don't have much willpower to do um you know other other things in, in my relationships but at the very beginning here at the you know at least with the with the food that it, it wasn't sufficient it wasn't uh, you know, effective. You know, I have these mental blank spots. And how does that, that look like? Well, I can't remember, you know, to stop, you know, going back to the food, right? And I thought, well, you know what? You're going to have to just re remember. Look, you did it again. How did you, how did you forget? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, why, why can't you just stay on that, on, 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 on the plan or just stay away from it? And then I, I, I got to see her, someone was sharing, and they said, well, that's what powerless, powerlessness looks like. You don't have that, that ability. And there I was trying to apply more willpower right, to, to, the, so to, the, to the idea that I have no willpower. And so that kept me, kept me in, the, in the food, of course, because I wasn't applying the solution. You know, and the solution here is telling me that I have to find power other than my own mental ability as I am now. I don't, I don't have the higher power, the needed higher power and guidance. And I developed that through a relationship. And I call my higher power God or sometimes the spirit of the universe. Um, it tells me and more about alcoholism. You know, it has me ask myself, you know, do I have a third choice? Because I'm still looking for that third choice. Coming in, I was still looking for that third choice, right? So either I was going to continue as I was, you know, eating, thinking that I, I could manage control, just more willpower. Now I know for sure it'll be different and all that, right? The delusion, the insanity, that it'll change or ask for spiritual help. You know, those are my only two options here. Because to eat, I will eat. So am I still looking for a third choice? That delusion has to be smashed. And when I saw that, then there was relief. Then I began to open up to this idea of a higher power's will, not my own. Thank you. I pass. All right, Kathy, thank you. Next up is Stephanie R., followed by Rachel K. Good morning, everyone. Stephanie R. from Missouri. So grateful to be here today. Um, I'm going to at this a little bit from a sponsee perspective because I was so grateful to have sponsors to guide me through through the steps of recovery, but I was so really headstrong and still feeling that I could possibly do this through my own willpower and 
through my own um, plan of uh, dealing with this particular addiction. And I have to tell you, I had to go through several relapses. And it's not something that I am proud of, but it was a lesson I needed to learn to get to a place of understanding that I have one higher power and that higher power I call God. I, I also know that sometimes when, when my sponsor had a relapse, I thought, oh, boy, that's an indication that I can go off to the races too. And um, I made my sponsor my higher power. I had to learn. I had to go through some very painful lessons and learn that my higher power is really a spirit of love that comes from within me and wants me to be happy. It's my ego that is constantly telling me that I am really smarter than God and that I know how to handle life. And my ego wants me to be sad, to be unhappy, and to be dead. So I am so very grateful today that I have sponsors and I have people that I can reach out to and say, you know what, today I'm not feeling really very grounded. I'm blocking my connection with God some reason, somehow. Can you just be my my guide for today? And that gives me strength and hope. It's only through this program that I have the serenity to face life and the joy to say, thank you, God, for the life I have, for the body I have. It's not perfect, never will be, but I'm really, really grateful that I can love it as it is. And with that, I pass. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks, Stephanie. Next up is Rachel Kay, and then we'll uh, take another list. Hi, thanks. Hi, OA family. This is Rachel Kay, Recover Compulsive Overeater in Indiana. And, um, yeah, this paragraph, there's a few things that stick out to me. I mean, I am a big book thumper. Um, you know, I love the big book. I feel like, for, for me, that is where the solution lies. I have a severe form of this disease, so I need the program in its purest, unadulterated form. But I have to remember that when I I first came into the program at 15 years old, that this was all, like, didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I, this passage reminds me, like, you know, sort of ironically, that it's in, from the big book, to meet people where they are, where it says, you know, don't show them this book yet, you know, unless he brings it up or asks about it or whatever, that, um, you know, if, if my, you know, prospect or, or if somebody can't hear the message over the sound of my thumping, then, um, then I'm an ego, you know, then I'm not carrying the message effectively. So if I am too insistent, you know, that, that they come through it this way, um, you know, there's time. There's time for me to expose them to the big book. But if I thrust it at them, you know, first thing, and if they have a problem with it, you know, um, and I just tell them to get over it, then, you know, then I'm going to miss an opportunity to carry that message. Um, so I have to meet people where they are. And also, I love how it talks about, um, where is it? Uh, tell them from your own, show him from your own experience 
how the clear mental condition surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. So if somebody says, well, you know, I want to do such and such or whatever, and I think, oh, God, that'll never work, you know, instead of saying, that'll never work, I can tell them, well, you know what, I found in my experience that did not work, Um, you know, or that would not work. What worked for me was, or what didn't work for me was, um, I can't. I, I can't go wrong if I go with either my own experience or you know with what's written down in the big book because my own experience is my own experience, right? You know that's that's you know that makes me uniquely qualified to carry this message. Um, and the big book, you know, if I refer to the text, it's there, but I can't be dogmatic about it, or I can I can miss a good opportunity. So anyway, thanks for letting me share. Have a great weekend, everybody. I pass. All right, Rachel. Thank you. And now we're going to open up the lines for sharing again. We're on page 92, working with others. That first paragraph, if you're satisfied, he's a real alcoholic. And ending, there may be no chance he can recover by himself. Um, and if you shared the past couple of days, please step back with others to share. So. We would like to share on this. Serena. All right. So I got Serena. Kim A. Serena. Kim A. I heard you first. Hold hold on. All right. That's Claire. That's what happened. So we got Kim, Claire. Uh, There's Elena. So Serene, Elena. Who else? We have time. Anyone else? Kathy S. Kathy S. Adele R. Adele R. I'm going to take one more. See if we can bang this out. Have everybody in. All right, so we're going to go with Kim A. What was that? What was that again? There was someone else. All right, maybe we'll catch it if we have time for the next round. So we got Kim A, Claire E, Serena S, Elena C, Kathy S, and Adele R. All right, Kim, you're up. Hey, this is Kim A. I was unmuting. Did you call me? Yep, you're up. Okay. First paragraph on 89, right? Uh, no, it's on 92. First paragraph oh. on 92. Sorry. No. So, you know, the if you are satisfied, right? Yep. Okay, sorry. So, you know, this chapter, just like every other chapter in the big book, is based on the experience of these alcoholics and this um this chapter in particular is based on a lot of what did not work for bill because you know we all know he was running around in his excitement and fervor about how this program worked for him and he was like dragging people off bar stools and he was lecturing to people and that doesn't work right how many times have we as 
compulsive eaters been told, you know, ideas of how we could eat less and how we could eat different and strategies and all these things that work for other people. And, you know, we learned way back in the doctor's opinion that that's just fraught the emotional appeal. That is not helpful at all. And I don't know about anybody else, but I know I was never receptive to it. Um, so just like anything else, you know, we're, we have to keep in mind that our best thinking got us here. So we have to really make sure that just like in every other part of this book, we're following the directions and the directions are really simple because they, the pioneers who wrote this book know that, you know, we're going to screw this up if they don't tell us how to do it because, you know, our thinking is, it's a hot mess. It's what led us to food to begin with, right? It was our attitudes and our perceptions and our thinking that led us to food because we were always, you know, stuck in resentment and self-pity and fear and we needed that comfort, right? So left to our own hot mess thinking, we're going to be going about this the wrong way. And it's really easy for us to get caught up in ego and to not check our motives because, you know, we can get really excited just like Bill did that, you know, we finally found something that worked for us. Let me drag you off your, you know, ice cream parlor stool and shove this down your throat and tell you how you have to do it. But that's not what we're being told to do. You know, if we can be uniquely useful, which we can as recovered chronic compulsive eaters, then we have to make sure that we are not ruining an opportunity to help somebody, you know, not for us as much as for them. Because I know that when I had all kinds of diets and shit shoved down my throat, I would just run as fast as I could in the other direction. So all we need to do is show up, give our own experience, and be willing to listen. You know, not everybody needs this program. And even for people who do need this program, if there are things that they want to try, like if they're not done trying, go try them. Okay, thanks. I'll wrap up. So go try that. Maybe it's not time. We just have to show up, ask our higher power for the next right thought or action, just like everything else, and be helpful however we're told to be helpful. Um, I'll pass with that. This is Kim A. in New York City. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Kim. Next up is Claire E. from the UK, I believe. Thanks, Ross. Yes, it's Claire E from the UK. Thanks to everybody who does service on this meeting and um, make it a compulsive eater from Cornwall in the UK. Um, this paragraph is just great. Um, I really love, uh, as always, is this, this idea that it's attraction, not promotion. And my experience is the only thing I have. Um, and I think the first bit was about, you know, if you're satisfied that he's a real compulsive eater and... Um, I can see that from two sides, actually. First off, is I, I believe there are people in OA who are probably not real compulsive eaters, not of my type, not quite as hopeless as me. I've been in and around the fellowships for a while. I've seen a lot of people come in, and some people seem to be able to sort of, I, I don't know, they disappear and they don't, they don't come back, and I don't know what happens to them, really. But um, 
they don't suffer from necessarily what I suffer from, and, and that's okay. You know, it's um, there's a lot of people out there with weight issues. Um, part of my job is I work with bariatric surgery, um, and I was very anti when I first started doing that. I thought these are all compulsive eaters. This is you know this is treating the symptom, not the problem. I have very opinionated views based on my experience. And what I've learned is that that's life-changing for some people. It's absolutely life-changing. It wouldn't work for me. I absolutely know that for a fact because I'm a real compulsive eater and I would find my way around that. So, you know, it's, it's not for everyone, this program, and, and that's okay. And all I have to share is my real experience. Um, and the next thing that came to my mind was that, you know, I had to learn what was wrong with me because for a long time in OA, I tried to eat normally three times a day. I tried to roll the dice. I tried to control it myself. And it says in more about alcoholism, you know, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were, in fact, alcoholics. I, 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 I needed to learn what that was. I needed to learn. Um, thank God I did hear it eventually. I don't know if I wasn't told it or if I didn't hear it, but about the fact that I have a physical allergy. I have um, behaviors and foods that set something off in me that makes me want more. And coupled with this, I have this mental twist that talks about here, you know, which means I will never be able to stop myself from starting. So step one is not don't eat, don't eat. Step one is I will eat. It is inevitable. And that's what I need to describe to other people is that experience, that experience of me learning. And I learned the hard way. I learned by the current relapses and eventually became desperate to do anything. Um, and that's what I have to, to share with people. And I, I just don't argue with people if they want to do it a different way, if they want a different way of doing steps, if they don't want to put things down. The most common um, thing I come across is alcohol, actually. And, you know, I am an alcoholic. I'm in a different fellowship. So I don't have experience of drinking in a, in a way. It's not my experience. And so if someone's really determined to do that, I, I advise them to go and speak to someone who does it because <laughs> I don't and I don't have that experience. Um, and you know I can't pass on what I don't have. That's not that's not my story. Um, and, and my higher power will send me the people I'm supposed to help. I absolutely know that. And I don't ever want to be the reason that somebody doesn't come back to pray. You know I need to leave that door open so that if if and when and if something resonates with them they'll come back. And um, I'll leave it there. Thank you so much. Thanks, Claire. Next up is Serene. Good morning. Yes, thank you. Um, in this paragraph, what um, you know, somebody is identifying as a real compulsive overeater, a real alcoholic. One of the things that I have to be very um, aware of: Do I want this more than they want it? Um, because I used to be like a tugboat sponsor or guide, and yeah. one of the things for me is I get attached and I start playing God. I, I think. I know what's good for them. And I think it's sometimes um, in the writing for us to see the freedom of letting somebody choose. You know, can they admit that they're powerless? You know, you know what, what is it that would be their bottom? I have wanted so much to rescue people from going further down. The other thing I find for myself is when somebody shares with me I'm really learning to listen. I'm a talker. And when I listen, I don't have to say, oh, yeah, me too. Yep. Uh, and even worse, like start like, you know, um, making it even more real. Now I'm pitching to them, right, about the disease and where it could go. Um, in this, it's, I mean, look at all the times that Bill failed. 
Look at all the times that people tried to help. Look at all the different ways. And so for me, when I get out of the way, there's a freedom for that person, as somebody else mentioned, to return or to do more experimenting or to see for themselves what was their bottom because it says in the promises, no matter how far down the scale we go, and to give somebody the um, privilege and honor of having their own journey and path and letting them know I'm here, I've recovered, I continue to recover, and um, it's, it's something that while they don't see it's a choice and they don't think maybe they could make it, you know, that's them. That's the self-reliance because they don't have the God-reliance piece yet. So I listen, and when appropriate, you know, I can certainly insert and insert my story, but I do have to let them uh, do whatever it is. I have two probably of my dearest friends that chose different courses, and um, I was still there. I still reached out. I didn't alienate them. They both came back. One was 10 years, but they both came back to the 12 steps and have incorporated those other things. It's so rich to see that. Um, and I don't ever say, you know, do you wish you had stuck out or anything like that? But I, I can see and observe my gratitude for staying the course here, but I also have to give people the freedom. And other people gave me the freedom for quite a while before I said to myself, this is enough. Thanks so much for letting me share. All right, Serene, thanks a lot. Uh, before Elaine is on, it jumps up. We are on page 92, working with others. That first paragraph, just that first paragraph. All right, Elena, you're up. Good morning. Can you hear me, Ross? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. so my name is Elena C. from South Carolina, gratefully recovered compulsive overeating overeater. So I love this paragraph. I hear so much in this paragraph about how to help others and maybe not only, you know, my sponsees, but maybe, you know, the rest of the world. Um, so first and foremost, what jumped out at me is the idea that um, I, so I need to dwell on the hopeless feature of the melody. And what does that mean? It means that I need to speak about vulnerability. I need to speak about vulnerability, my own vulnerability. And, um, and why? Because, you know, if I were to go to somebody to say, wow, I have a big home, you know, I recover from addiction and um I, my car is hybrid and my daughter's amazing you know that's not going to work that's not going to work with a compulsive overeat overeater and you know speaking about vulnerability is not it's it's not common in this world i mean i don't see people who just come and mean spill their guts uh, what's going what's bad is going on in their life and but it's so important Important in this connection that I am establishing with someone who needs my help, and why? Because I heard some somewhere when I listen to people, I connect with their own higher power, because deep down there's a fundamental idea of God. I believe vulnerability when we are showing it 
it, we also show our spirituality, our higher power, and that is so beautiful. And then in this disclosure of vulnerability, that's when healing starts. And that's when it, it, healing starts because I am with another person in my own vulnerability. I am with my sponsee in their own vulnerability. And that's when connection starts. And that's when healing starts because this is what the last paragraph says. But he insists that if he's severely afflicted, there may be little chance he can recover by himself. I do not know anyone who recovered from addiction on their own. I really don't. If you do, please call me and let me know. But because we need each other, we need each other. And we need to hear our vulnerabilities and we need to hear experience, strength, and hope. And we need to stay together to overcome this deadly disease. And I am so grateful that I am with you today and you're with me today. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Elena. Next up is Kathy S. followed by Adele R. Good morning, Russ. Thank you. Um, this is Kathy S., recovered compulsive overeater from Georgia. And what really stands out in this paragraph for me, it was my experience to let him draw his own conclusion for so many years when I was struggling with this. I wanted somebody else to diagnose me. I wanted to, um, you know, have a doctor tell me, a therapist, even other addicts, family, normal people, anybody blood work, you know, just tell me, am, am I really um, an addict? Do I really have this problem? But the truth was any, you know, people did. I had, especially other addicts, they were like, yeah, it sounds like you're addicted. Yep. That sounds totally right. But did, that didn't, that didn't change anything in me. Um, it wasn't until like this paragraph said, I really honed into this meeting in particular where I heard the experience, strength, and hope of others. I heard the pain. I heard about binging, and I heard about recovery, and, and the binging in particular I, I could relate to. And then learning about the hopeless feature of this malady, having a physical allergy to specific substances, and, and I have no hope. I am totally powerless, just like any, anybody who has an allergy has they have no power over the reaction of the body. Like I can't not sneeze if I'm allergic to, to hay and I'm in a hay field, you know? And so I let him draw his own conclusion was my first step of responsibility. And, and as an addict, I, or as a person like myself, I don't like, I didn't want to do that, <laughs> but that was the game changer until I could claim for myself and accept the fact, you know, to my, concede to my innermost self that I'm a real compulsive overeater with a physical allergy and a mental obsession. Only then could I take the responsibility that and to work these steps to put down all of that alcoholic food. And nobody else, I wanted somebody else to tell me what my food plan should be, what foods I should stay away from, but nobody else could do that for me. I really had to sink down into my heart of hearts and get with God and get honest and just put it down. And the other thing that comes up is that last 
that last sentence that there may be scant chance, little chance they can recover himself. The opposite of addiction, as my sponsor taught me, is connection. It is, you know, I, I have to come to these meetings. I have to make the outreach calls. I have to be ready to learn and open-minded. And this is all essential to my recovery. And it helps me to feel connected. I feel a sense of belonging um, and that intimacy met in here so that I can go out into the world and function. This fellowship is very key to my recovery, that connection. I just can't stress it enough. Um, so with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. All right there, Kath. Appreciate it. Next up is Adele R. And I believe you're going to be the last one. We'll see. Adele, you're up. Hi. Good morning. Thank you. I'm Adele R. in Kansas City, gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater. I've been really clear for um, several years that my recovery and my abstinence are not my own, that this is a result of me being in a fellowship and giving and receiving, working um, the steps. What I never really realized until yesterday was that this line, dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady, like even my powerlessness is a gift. Like I, um, yesterday my sponsor and I read the 12 and 12, every natural instinct cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. And I, I was not giving up. I was doing the nutrition and the scale and the group and the support. And I was going round and round and round with the same seven, eight, 10, 12 pounds. And it was like, I was touching the dragon and it was not going to, it was not going to let me go. The disease was, was reacting to me, but I did not arrive at my sense of personal powerlessness on my own. My friend was watching me and she's even in another program. And I said, maybe if I get, you know, like a diagnosis, like I'm pre-diabetic, then I'll finally like get this. And she's like, no, you won't. And I heard it. I was like, I am never going to win. This is like a lion in the grass. This is always waiting for me. The success is just an illusion. It may be a week. It may be a month. But this disease is always waiting for me. And I heard that. And I realized just yesterday that I, she was my Ebby. She helped me see that. And then later, shortly thereafter, I found my way to an OA meeting that wasn't hers, but um, this today is very inspiring for me. I don't have a lot of experience sponsoring. I'm not, frankly, I think I can safely say this here. I'm not that motivated <laughs> to be a sponsor, but when I see that my recovery and my abstinence are not my own, even my hopelessness, I needed help to get there because no instinct in me was telling me that I was done and that I was powerless, powerless. So I'm just incredibly grateful today for for all of it and um, for this meeting and for the instructions in this book and for all of you on this line. Thank you, I pass. Thanks a lot, Adele. So you are our last share. We thank everyone that shared uh, today. Uh, please join us for a second, our unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Today's share ID is 
It's Friday, July 7, 2023. It's 20,422. So 20422. Now we'll close with the reading from the big book on page 164, uh, followed by a serenity prayer. Well, Loretta H., Please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Russ. This is Loretta H., compulsive overeater, recovered in North Carolina. Thank you all along with my precious God, who is saving my life. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fast for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as we trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.